0: What do you fear the most? Uh, um, my biggest fear, I guess, is losing my memory. It does worry me at times that I'm not going to be able to continue to do what I do mm. um, and and reach a place that I'm satisfied with. In a sense because memory is what we are, you know? And I think that your very soul and your very reason to be alive is tied up in memory. I mean, I think for a very long time, I've been building up a kind of world through narrative songwriting. It is a kind of world that's created about those precious um, original memories that define our lives and those memories that we, we spend forever chasing after. Which memories do you think you're chasing I th- after? I think exactly what we've been talking about. Those, those earlier childhood memories. Mm. Those moments when the gears of the heart really change. And, and that's, that could be being, uh, discovering some work of art. Um, it could be some massive traumatic experience that happens. Um, it could be some mm-hmm. tiny moment Uh, a fragment of a moment. And in some way, that's really what the process of songwriting is for me, is the retelling of these stories and uh, the mythologizing of these stories. To lose the faculty of memory is a massive trauma within that world, obviously.
1: all right phase two the boatman's call before we dispatch mr clean to his east coast uh timetable uh mark how do you feel about that album well you know we don't talk about it much it doesn't come up a lot
2: yeah i mean it's definitely one of his um for me at least uh it's not one of the high tier records for him i mean i understand why he felt he needed to have um to kind of transition into this gear, I would say, but it's not necessarily... It's a little too minimal uh, for my taste. I mean, Into My Arms is a great song. Are You the One That I've Been Waiting For is a great song. Uh, Brompton Oratory is a great song, um, but I, I tend to check my watch a little too often on this record. Um, songs are good, and I appreciate for what he's trying to do, but it's not necessarily... My wheelhouse when I want to listen to Nick Cave.
1: Yeah, I think he's a great singer-songwriter, and he has a beautiful voice. And he, just him at a piano, is wonderful. I bought that recent live album he put. That's just him at a piano. But it's a bit, it's a bit too mellow, I think. Uh, Eric, do you agree? Is it too? Yeah, mellow?
3: yeah. I'm with Mark on this one. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, into my arms. I love a good song that plays with the metaphors of god and love um, being the same thing I, I i really do enjoy that into my arms is a fantastic song people ain't no good is a is a uh, really good song actually honestly you could take that out of his whole discography and throw it anywhere
1: well speaking it, speaking of movies that's why he's in shrek 2 <laughs> literally i believe he's playing a, a character's playing it uh, in that movie Oh yeah, or maybe I can't remember if it's that or Little Drop of Poison. They're both no, in that movie. It's both, it's both. There's a like uh, Captain Hook is playing
3: piano in this Shrek bar, and one scene he's playing Little Drop of Poison by Tom Waits, and I think the other, the next scene he's playing, what is it? People Ain't No Good, or whatever. He's playing. He's playing I want you guys
1: good. now. I want you guys to correct me if I'm wrong. We had an old friend of the show, old coworker. Don't need to name him. The guys like Mr. Captain movie guy, like oh well, you know, have you ever have you ever heard of the uh, lesser known works by Fellini? But I swear to God, he was a, sh- a fan of the Shrek movies. Am yes, wrong?
3: you're right, you're
1: right, you're right. Uh,
3: one of our friends from Portland, yes, yes, that yes, cracks me up. He loved <laughs> Shrek One. He thought it was a <laughs> scathing indictment of the Disney culture. He loved it.
0: Ugh. I felt you coming, girl As you drew me I knew you'd find me Cause I longed you here you my destiny Is this how you'll appear? Wrapped in a coat the deer.
1: Well, he wasn't quite at his uh, at his midlife crisis point. Not at all, really. I don't think. In two thousand and one, he put "No more, no more, shall we part out," and that had uh, Nick Cave, Mick Harvey, Oblixa, Thomas Wilder, Martin Casey, Jim Scalavanovis, Warren Ellis, and Conway Savage. A good mix of old bad seeds here. A couple guys came back, um, and I uh, I think you take you take the the somberness. Of uh, the Bowman's call, but you put better production behind it, more thought-out songwriting, different types of songs, uh, multi-instrumentalist. Um, I, I just think this album is a triumph. It's probably my favorite album of his, and yes, yeah, still there's some mellowness to it. But there's still there's one song. It's a great rocker. Some of the mellow songs build and build and build and build uh the some of his best lyrics um a very touching album many of the songs could be songs about love or they could be songs about loss you could take them either way uh great album what do you guys think about it uh, eric
3: yeah it's it's so good um i'd be curious to hear what what the rocker song
1: is on here only because 15 feet of pure white snow
3: okay yeah that that song is is uh, elusive. It's it has like a, this a rhythm, which is very slow, that he's singing and very delicately. And then there's this like B rhythm, which is double time with the drums and the piano. Um, and it is amazing. And the video <laughs> is like he was like, all right, we're gonna make a video where we're like a, a cult and we're pulling everybody down. To our basement as you're drinking the Kool Aid and you're dancing to it. And he, I think he has uh, what's the uh, 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 Graham Knoxham from uh, Pulp, or <laughs> uh, I think he's got some Brett Jarvis which, Cocker, oh, yeah, Jarvis, Co- jarvis Co- Cocker. Cocker, Graham Knoxham. Of- <laughs> uh, uh, Graham you, you,
2: Coxon, you, I think, is from Blur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he, he makes a couple
3: yeah. of yeah. Jarvis, up on that one. <laughs> jarvis Cocker. Jarvis Cocker's for sure down
1: there. I don't know
3: about yes. Graham Nash. Yeah, I think I made that, that up, but, um, I am a I am a, I am
1: I'm, I'm part of the Jarvis Cocker fan club. So yeah, it's, it's a
3: good video.
1: It's a fantastic oh. video. No, it's, it's a great great rocker of a track or not? Yeah, it's not like a rocker rocker, but it's it's rock, it's got its rocking parts. Uh, oh my lord! Um, but just the, the album doesn't just have like guitar riffs, but it has some heaviness to it in parts, which I just I find. You know, maybe it's the violin. There's a lot of violin on it that really gets in your face. Uh, Maybe it's his delivery on some tracks that also get in your face. Uh, That song, Oh My Lord, has some great wordplay on it. That's just uh, soul shattering. I'll say it, soul shattering. Uh, Mark, how do you feel about No More Shall We Part?
2: So I'm right there with you for the longest time. Uh, no more shall we part and let love in. Um, we're battling it out for my favorite record of Nick Cave. And, you know, some days it's this one, some days it's let's love in. Um, but you're right. The production on this is fantastic. 15 feet of pure white snow. Um, as I sat sadly by her side and no more shall we part. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. Um, the sorrowful wife. Um, are all really strong songs and um this is the culmination of nick cave being able to put everything that he's accomplished so far and really refine it and to your point it is a triumph this is the top of the mountain point for for nick cave i i, I think
1: yeah it's, uh, for a long time it was my favorite album like i said i would listen to it on repeat I think the last few tracks have a lot of them. Um, last three or four tracks could all be the end of the album and they're not, and it just keeps
2: getting better. Um. Yeah. What's his last record too with them too? Which No, nope, that's the next, that's the next one. Oh, was it? What, he was on Nocturama. Okay, okay. He was. What a, what a way to go out, huh? Um, Get to that in literally minutes.
1: Um, but the, yeah, this record, I just think it's a, it's a massive triumph. Um, I, just dig it tight if anybody anybody walks away from tonight with one suggestion for me on one record to pick up you might not pick up what we're saying about the whole Nick Cave thing by listening to that album but I don't think you'll go wrong if you just listen to that record all the way through um yeah
2: it's
1: a great one so Nocturama 2003 uh same band as No More Shall We Park for the most part two right 2003, according to my. 2003.
2: Notes. It was recorded in 2002, oh. but released in 2003. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up that the last album, the artwork was not his face, um, like many album covers, but this one was returned to his face in profile. Nick Cave's old face. Got Good a older. haircut too. Got a haircut. Uh, Octorama. Good album title. Um, this album is notorious for being one of their lesser works they don't play a lot from it live. I don't think they disparage it, but I just think everybody's like I just think it's always been middling. It doesn't do a lot for me. It sounds like blues hammer to me half the time. That's probably not fair. Um Mark introduced me to the video for Bring It On today. Bring It On's a very boring song, but the the video has a lot of uh, booty shaking. And apparently the, uh, the director of that was John Hillcoat. And Nick said, "Hey, what are do they doing on MTV these days?" And John Hillcoat said, shaking their asses a whole bunch. And they said, let's make a video of that. And that's about it. So Monster Magnet, Mastodon, and Nick Cave have all made videos with African-American women shaking their asses right in front of you. That's an interesting trilogy. Uh, my favorite song on the album is Dead Man in My Bed. It's a low bar. Uh, Eric, you're a defender of this record.
3: Yeah, and, and mostly it's, it's nostalgia. So like 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 I said, my original kind of hook was the songs in the key of X, and then I bought Murder Ballads. But that was just kind of its own thing. And then in 2002, I was working at the record store, and I got the promo for this album. Then I would buy anything off Anti. That was Tom Waits' label. It was like you know you were gonna get something interesting if you bought something off Anti Records. So I I, I picked this, you know, I picked this one up and I do think, uh, I mean, I anti records for those that don't know is the uh, uh, epitaph imprint for kind of like uh, indie folk. They're, 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 you know, essentially there was only three or four or five like artists that put out anything on anti. Um, and so I was very excited and you're right, Bring It On is, whew, that's a terrible song. That, that does not sound like Nick Cave. If you want to, I could name you 100 Nick Cave songs and they'll all be different, uh, but they always will sound like Nick Cave, but Bring It On does not sound like Nick Cave. This album has Dead Man In My Bed, which has this uh, heavy metal organ, which is just tearing through the entire song. It's a lot of fun, and then it has this 14 minute song called "Baby I'm on Fire." Baby I'm on Fire. Probably not good. That being said, whenever it comes on, I cannot turn it off. It uh, it, it it works for me.
2: Nick, have you ever seen the me, video for that one?
3: I have not. Is there a video for that one?
2: There is, yeah. About 14 <laughs> minutes. Oh, God. It's, uh, uh, for what I can recall, uh, Bring It On and Bay Bomb On Fire are the only two videos for this record. Um, and the Babe On Fire video does not disappoint. Uh, it's, it, it's not as trying to send up the whole MTV culture um, with the booty shaking um, and then two old guys sitting in a stool uh, what looks to be like on a... Strip club, you know, stage. I guess the other guy that sings the choruses I'm bringing on is uh, Chris Bailey from the Saints, um, who I don't really have a whole lot of um, exposure to as well. I'm guessing that him and Nick Cave are friends or something like that. Um, this album is completely forgettable for me. Um, uh, it's 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 not terrible in the sense, but it just seems like it's a going through the motions. Um, version of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and yeah uh, most critics was considering this was the version of Never Let Me Down uh, version of Nick Cave as it was to David Bowie Um, just a misfire Um, but yeah I honestly a lot of the songs on here are are not necessarily anything that I, I can really write home about. Wonderful Life Fantastic song. Uh, dead, man, dead
3: Man in My Bed and Babe I'm on Fire. And then I'll go ahead and throw the rest in the trash pile.
2: Well, there you go.
1: Your All right, yeah, so in 2004 they put out a double record. Uh, Avatar Ab- Blues, Liar of Orpheus. I think it is a. It's our first non Blixa album. He used. Dr. Rama was the way he wanted to go out. I guess he thought that that was the peak of their work together. Um, in actuality, as Warren Ellis starts to become more part of the band, I don't think that there was a... Uh, they didn't feel like there was enough room for both of them. No, nothing like that. But I don't know. When you're when you're in a band for 15, 20 years, there's a time to move on. And when you see that uh, you're used to be one of the main collaborators and someone else is starting to collaborate more, you might think... Ah, You know I'm not I'm not as needed anymore I don't know But uh, the album itself Is a triumph It goes between There are rocking tracks on this one Uh, Sometimes They might be a song with a ton of violins And glockenspiels And mandolins and flutes and shit But it still rocks At the same time there's some really good Dark ballads um Nick Cave, Mick Harvey, Warren Ellis, Martin Casey, Conway Savage. A guy named Jamie Johnston on the organ. Uh, and then two drummers. Uh, Jim Scalanovis is here again on the Avatar Blues side. Thomas Wilder is back again on the Liar of Orpheus side. I think it's a great, great, great album. At times, I used to think it was my favorite album. Uh, the... The album that I like, the song that I like the most is uh, Hiding All Away. It is Nick Cave in dangerous carnal barker preacher mode. And at the end of the song, it just... Throughout the majority of the song, he's, he's, like, talking about, like, all these, like... bad days someone might have like you
0: you know
1: you go you go to your accountant and and your accountant tells you you got no money in the bank sucks for you or you know you go you go to the judge the judge says oh man you're innocent but i'm throwing you in jail anyhow and then at the end of the song he just starts like yelling there's a war coming a a full chorus and just full instrumentation talking about a war coming there's a lot of uh, choral arrangements in this album. A lot of, a lot of, uh, like might be like I don't know, a 40-person uh, uh, chorus on, on these, uh, these songs.
3: There is a
1: war. Yeah, like almost like a gospel arrangement, but not gospel songs at all. i think it's a great record mark what do you think
2: it is an extremely strong record Uh, it starts off with a bang with get ready for love cannibal's hymn has some incredible uh stuff going on there hiding all away um we'll talk about that a little bit later Mm. um messiah ward i mean so many strong tracks on that first side and then you flip the disc over to the lyre of orpheus Um, You get some uh, Easy Money is a great song, Supernaturally has this great rising action with an acoustic guitar, Um, and then it ends incredibly strong with Carry Me and Oh Children. Um, There are so many gems on this double record. Um, It is uh, quite an achievement. It is very, very, very strong.
1: remember the first time I heard Oh Children, I was taken aback by the power of that song. Uh, apparently it's been in harry potter movies uh, since and in a harry potter lego game if you win enough points you can unlock it as an achievement sure but it is it's a great song sure
3: sure sure harry and hermione they've had so many struggles against Voldemort, and they just need one moment where they could just enjoy life and dance together in their tent.
1: And I'm, I'm sure that's what nick had in mind yeah. but uh that the, the the end of that track, the Hey Little Train, duh, 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 we're on our way to the kingdom, and you've got Nick Cave and the uh, female vocalist singing it together. It just, it's just, uh, and his his voice. And actually, that that reminds me, on this album and on No More Shall We Part, not as much of drama, because I don't, I'm not as familiar with that record. His vocal range I think has gotten a lot better. I don't think he's, maybe he's taking vocal lessons. I don't know. But he can go high, high, low, low. He can carry notes for quite a while. Um, I, I, he still brings out fire and brimstone sometimes and gets, like, stabby with his uh, vocal delivery when he needs to. But, man, when that guy wants to carry a note to make you feel something emotionally, he can definitely do it. That song of children really, really brings the house down. My God.
0: The keys to the good way.
1: And uh, I think it's what influenced that whole Tory did where he brought out the Children's Choir. That's in my opinion. Um, and two other great songs in there, Mark, you got my mind going. Uh, there She Goes, My Beautiful World. That's a great song as well. Yep.
2: Yeah, it really is. Yeah.
1: So good. Eric, before we go into the mustache years, what do you think?
3: Ah, not, not much to add until later. Um, some of my favorite songs are off this, this two disc pack. It's a,
1: it's a great era. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to go into the mustache years. A brief sojourn. This is where I'm not sure if he was actually having a midlife crisis, but he was pretending like he did. By this point in his life, uh, the guy's, I don't know, he's in his pushing 50. Uh, t- in the year 2000, he had twins. He's had a couple of kids throughout the years. Uh, he had his first child, I believe, in the early 90s, and the second child around that same time. Um, and then... He met uh, Lucy Blick, I want to say her name is. She is a model. Uh, and I, th- I find it interesting that since she married him, she quit modeling. And even though she's on one of their album covers, you do not see a lot of, uh, of her around. It's uh, interesting choice. Susie
2: Beck. Susie, Susie I think you, you said go.
1: Lucy. Yeah, Susie. You did, you're right. Yeah. And they had two kids uh, in the year 2000, um, Arthur and Earl, which I always found. Uh, it made me kind of feel uh, kind of a strange emotion because my middle name is Earl and my brother's name is Arthur. I always found that cool that they named their kids that. Uh, I'm sure they did that on purpose. Um, but anyhow, about 2007, the guy grows a mustache. He's growing his hair out in the back, but he can't grow much out in the front. Um, he's wearing ridiculous uh, tight leisure suit type pants and, and him and Warren Ellis, Martin Casey and Jim... Sky-a-novice they, uh, they strip things back and they make a band called Man, which is essentially it's just stripped back Bad Seeds it's Nick it Cave and the Bad Seeds by another name uh, it fits right into their discography well the first album was the first tour I saw them and I think it's a triumph, it's a rocker uh, it's not a rocker in the same way as the ba- uh, the birthday party it's got melodies, it's got some compositions they did record it pretty fast. They recorded it in about four days, but it doesn't sound like it. I think it sounds like a fully realized album. I'm a big fan of the song Honey Bee, Let's Go Tomorrow. Honey Bee,
0: let's let's tomorrow.
1: Mark, what do you feel about the first Grinder Man record?
2: Uh, it's it's uh, pretty much straight down Broadway rock record. Um, it uh, definitely has a garage rock sound. And um, my first introduction was No Pussy Blues, um, which is sure. a hell of a track. Um, it's got that bass line that uh, absolutely is uh, ready for battle. Um, it's just a great
1: sleazy, sleazy video too. To love uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so uh, Honeybee, let's go to Mars. That's a good one. Um, uh, what's that? uh like, kind moon. of man now, on the, the moon's a good one. Grinder man, uh, that kind of sound. Um, oh yeah, uh, appears a little bit on Dig Lazarus. Dig on the. Uh, Fuck! I'm well, losing it with tracklings. No, but the, yeah.
1: the Dig Lazarus Dig is definitely uh, the gap because of Grinder Man. They said it absolutely,
2: <laughs> absolutely. They uh, basically brought in more guys to flesh out the sound that they they uh, they mined on Grinderman One.
1: Yeah. What do you think about a uh, Grinder Man One, Eric?
3: Yeah, it's good. It's um, when Nick Cave does this thing where he falls into. Song Storian, where he's just talking his way through songs, and I, I have been on record as saying, not my favorite vocal choice. Where you just talk your way through a song story. That being said, Nick Cave does it beautifully. He's uh, he's got a swagger. He can pull it off. Grinderman one and two. It's a good time. Even actually. The Grinder Man remix album is a blast as well. well that's Grinder Man
1: too. We're not we're not there yet. That's oh, I'm, I'm,
3: I'm sorry.
1: We got to get through Dig Lazarus uh, Dig first.
3: I'm, I'm going to back off.
1: All right, Grinder Man. I'm a huge fan. That's the first time I got to see him live too. All uh, right, so that goes into Dig Lazarus Dig. Recorded in five days dig yourself that's right came out in 2008 it sound uh, it sounds a little bit like grinder man but the difference is is that you've got a more fleshed out band and including Nick Harvey this is Nick Harvey's last album Nick Harvey who was there from the start with the boys next door so he was around for about 28 years and by 28 I mean 38 I'm bad at math um, uh, no I mean 28 I'm even worse at math uh, so, uh, this is Mick Harvey's last record with the band. It definitely sounds like Man influenced it. A little bit more fleshed out, I think. There's a little bit more dynamic song structures.
0: I don't know what it is, but there's definitely something going on
2: upstairs.
1: I think it has a lot of great songs on it. The title track is great. Uh, there's a song on it called We Call Into the Author to Explain is a great song title and the structure of the song is great too he's he does the the verses and then the whole band says we call unto the author to explain uh, hold on to yourself is a great more romantic song uh, this, one thing this does is that grinder man doesn't do as much is you're going to start hearing loops and bloops and bleeps on this and warren ellis definitely starts in addition to being a violinist he is starting to do electronic loops quite a bit and you're going to hear that come to the forefront on the future records dig lazarus dig mark what do you
2: think about it big fan um so this certainly holds a sentimental place in my heart um this was the album that they toured with when we got to see uh them live and they opened with Nidal, the lotus eaters that's the song that i was thinking of um, that one. has that kind of grinder man like kind of droney thing going on we um, call upon the author is really good. Hold on to yourself is a great song that almost kind of makes me feel um, like that guitar tone and hold on to yourself is uh, it's reminiscent. There's there's something there's something there. Um, and it's uh, speaking to me. Um, the song dig Lazarus dig is, is a wild one. Um, it's a very stripped down different direction and, uh, I'm, I'm here for it as the kids would say. Um, I understand that it's not for everybody, but it is something that I'm, I'm digging.
1: I will go to say that this album got really good reviews. Um, the majority of their records, they seem to always get good reviews. Uh, Nocturama had mixed reviews. Nobody said it was terrible. But for the most part, their albums uh, get top marks. And uh, Lyra Orpheus Forpheus did uh, this. This one did. The next few are going to. Um, Eric, how do you feel about uh, Dig Lazarus? Dig?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was equally excited. I bought it, listened to it day one when it came out. I was already a fan. Um, the one thing that like I may venture from you guys is he's doing a lot more song story in where he's talking his way through songs.
1: Uh, I think that's, I think that's in your head more than in actuality. I'll, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go check the tape and get back to you on that. I, I, a but, couple of tracks here and there, but I don't think it's.
3: But, but he pulls it off better than most people. He, even if he's talking his way, he'll, he'll add a little twist to a verse here and there and make it be more like a, a, a sonnet. Um, this song this album has the title track Dig Lazarus Dig which is epic and uh, We Call Upon the Author which you guys both talk about but what you didn't mention was More News From Nowhere that's a good one which is fucking fantastic in a top five Nick Cave song for me that, that song is so good uh, just a bluesy but uh, kind of perfect uh world view from Nick cave it's, it's fantastic
1: that's a good track and then uh in 2010 grinder man 2 came out Same grinder man lineup from the other one uh a sequel to the first album i think it's a little bit better uh i i, I really it's just more grinder man which is fine with me i was digging what the grinder man thing was if they ever do grinder man 3 that's fine with me i like the stripped back rock approach uh this album there's a remix album as eric mentioned robert fripp is on one of the remix songs which is uh butter butter to my ears (laughs) is that a phrase is butter to my ears a phrase well it it is now yeah Great song on this uh, album, Grinder Man 2, is Palaces of Montezuma.
0: Psychedelic invocations of Mata Hari at the station. And give to you. Uh,
1: that's a standout track to me. It's kind of a groovy, 60s, breezy track. It's got some nice crooning. It's not abrasive at all. Uh, I, he played it on the Idiot Prayer uh, record he just put out. I think Palaces of Montezuma is one everybody should check out. Well, Mark, what do you think about Grinder Man the sequel?
2: Uh, Man, the sequel is uh, it's a really strong record um, it's a lot more has some Robert Frippage action uh, kind of sensation to it uh, that heathen child um, is a really strong track Mickey Mouse and the Goodbye Man um, that psychedelic uh, that uh, trip out freak out that happens during When My Baby Comes is amazing um, when eyes is i don't
1: need you to set me free on this one or the first one? First one okay well that's a good track too sorry <laughs>
2: um Worm tamer a great song um i remember when we saw a grander man uh tour for this record uh during the song kitchenette um he has this part in the song where he's talking about going to the kitchen with tippy toes and he just kept like really playing that up live. Uh, tippy-toes, tippy-toes. <laughs> it, it, it was a hell of a thing. Um, I actually prefer Grinderman 2 over the first Man record. Sitting in the bottom My child She's
0: the child
1: What do you think, Eric? Too much sing-songing, or how do you feel about Grinder Man 2? It's great.
3: It's great. Um, I can't pull out an exact track, but it's a good amount of sleazy. It gets me going. I like it. Next.
1: I love that album cover with the wolf on it. Um, yes, yes. And with the exception of Nocturama, the album covers in this decade do not have him on them. Uh, no More Shall We Part, which came out just around the turn of the century. Push the skyway does. Ah, oh, you're right. Okay. A little bit in a different version, though. So let's go through them real quick. You got that. Push the or No More Shall We Part. Then you got Dr. Rom, which is his face. Liar of Orpheus has a painting of, like, an orchid or some such. Uh, Grinderman 1 has a monkey yelling at you. Dig Lazarus Dig has Dig Lazarus Dig written in Vegas Lights. Uh, Grinderman 2 has a wolf. And then Push the Sky away does have him and his wife. His wife's face, she's naked, but it's blurred out. It's not exploitive at all. And he's kind of in the back with his face kind of blurred out, like pointing off to the distance. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, Which is odd because in 2013, they did put Push the Sky away. And he is not that aggressive on it. Uh, Despite the fact there is not a lot of aggression on this record, which is the new mature, but still, when you see them live, they can kick ass and there's this odd electro songcraft thing going on. Era they're in. Uh, Push the Sky away for me. Is actually one of my favorite albums of theirs. Um, a lot of great song craft on it. A lot of different paces to the songs. There's a lot of bloops and bleeps. One could say it's a more structured version of something that Radiohead was doing with Kid A years ago. But more to my liking. Um, the crooning over these bloops and bleeps works for me. A lot of lush atmospheres. But occasionally you're going to get a track like Higgs, Bonds and Blues or the, the standout track in my opinion jubilee street jubilee street is great on the album jubilee street is a showstopper when played live if you see them live when they play it it's great um, they put a few live albums out in the last few years it's worth checking out if you watch that movie Twenty Thousand days on earth which i highly suggest to anybody jubilee streets a reoccurring song throughout it and it ends with a version of jubilee street which is amazing and again Jubilee Street gets into metamorphosis, floating, levitating, changing. I love that shit. Jubilee Street cannot beat that track. Uh, Eric, how do you feel about the album in general, push the sky away? Fantastic.
3: Fantastic. It's a it's a new direction and I'm sure we'll talk about how we all feel about where Nick is now.
1: And I wonder I wonder this new direction with Mick Harvey gone, that has to have something to do with it. But just just to say. Right. I, guy's gone guys in the band for decades and then he leaves and all of a sudden like the guitarists take a back seat for half the album. I don't know. It's true. It's true.
3: But you know, for my, for my money, you get a, you bring forward the, uh, the synths and the, uh, the atmosphere. That's a good thing. Um, Higgs, Bosom blues. First of all, Perfect song title um, I uh, immediately noticed that the year it came out because of the actual science uh, news reporting about the you know the god particle and the that you could trace um, you know uh, the, the, the the history of uh, evolution down to one particle, and it wasn't. It, it basically like disproved a lot of religion. And I, and when I, as soon as I saw Nick Cave had that song, I was like, "That's amazing!" Because he's this awesome singer that has been able to wrangle his religious beliefs and his spiritual beliefs and his scientific beliefs, and he's he made a, a awesome song about. The fact that (laughs) science disproved God,
1: it's pretty great. Anyways, he's a a, a, a smart dude. He knows that not not everything is binary. And he says that if you go to the red red hand files and read through a lot of the questions people ask him, a lot of people will be like, hey, man, is it this or it's that? And he says, why does everything have to be this or that? Here is why you can have both things. And you're probably going to be more of a sane person if you try to not make everything binary. Yes. Um, Yeah, great, great record Uh, uh, Barry Adamson came back for this one And he actually noticed that with Mick gone Conway Savage, Thomas Wilder, Warren Ellis Martin Casey All these guys joined the band after he was there Back in the 80s And he just thought it was uh, very interesting That everybody got cycled out But Nick was still fucking doing his thing Is what he said I thought that was interesting Uh, Mark, We know who
3: you are is a fantastic song Uh, Wild Lovely Eyes is a is a song that's like a perfect example of something that builds and doesn't necessarily get you over the plateau but you just
1: are riding
3: that build it's a great song
1: Um, Mermaids Mermaids is good and then the title track is great Yeah, Um, title track gets me emotional I listen to the title track at times where I need an extra something that gives it to me Mark, how do you feel about "Push Skyway"?
2: So, "Push the Skyway" also ranks pretty high in, uh, you know, where I, I fit. Nick Cave Records, um, really a strong collection of songs. Um, to your point, I think that uh, self-titled track, that the the closer is. Quite something, uh, very, very emotional, and sometimes it brings me, uh, to uh, get those watery eyes. Um, but Higgs Boson Blues, um, Jubilee Street, uh, the video for Jubilee Street has a friend of the show, Ray Winstone, who was in That's Sexy right. Beast and probably a good friend of John Hillcoat.
1: He's also, also in 20,000 20, Days on Earth.
2: Yep. <laughs> um, I would say that this is the last Nick Cave record that I'm very passionate about, um, that I have very strong feelings for. Um, not to say anything bad about Skeleton uh, Tree or Ghostine, but this one here um, is uh, pretty great from start to finish where I, I get pretty lost in it. It's, uh, it's a very strong record.
0: If you got everything and you don't
1: We'll get to those other two in a second. Um, I definitely think push the sky away points in the direction they go to on those other two. But it's the yeah. uh, Mark probably wanted them to zig when they zagged. Um, let's let's talk about it. So 2016 again, push the sky away, acclaimed, critically acclaimed, as was 2016 Skeleton Tree. Now, this album comes out after unfortunately his son fell off a cliff, uh, 15-year-old. And um, they're very sad for well, the child dying, but also he had a twin brother uh, that's still with us, but still it's just, you know, one of their kids dies. Um, and that movie, 20,000 days on earth, there's a scene in it that just shows him eating pizza with his kids, watching Scarface. Huh. And it's like yeah. the happiest, like glimpse into fatherhood I've ever seen. I'm like, that's what I want to be as a dad, you know, teenage kids, pizza and Scarface. Um, I, I think that him and his wife like really take parenting seriously. And this happened in the middle of recording this record. They stopped for a while. They are going to put out a, uh, a, a box set of the greatest hits with a book called uh, the lovely creatures.
2: I think. Yeah, and that's right.
1: They put that in hold for a minute. It's a great package, by the way, the book's great. The, uh, the song selection's great. It came out years later and even, they even said like, we had to take a break. Um, so yeah, then they came back and finished this album. They made a movie about it called uh, Once More a Feeling. And it's not exploitative at all. Uh, the movie has some of them recording this album and some of them talking about it. And then Kay basically said, look, everyone, if I went on a touring, or a, I'm sorry, an interview cycle for this album, all anyone was going to do was ask me about that. So we put out this document where we al- kind of talk about it, not exploitatively. And if you want to know my feelings on that and how this album came together, you can watch that. And I think any fan of Nick Cave or maybe even not fan should watch it. It's great. Um, have either of you guys watched that movie? No,
2: nope. no, I haven't. No.
1: I suggest you do. I don't know if it's going to, you know, make you a super fan of this record, Mark, but it's definitely a good companion piece to it. Um, anyhow, Skeleton Tree, Strip Back, Electronics, some really lush vocals still um I, I think it's a it's minimalistic but still there's some great vocal work on it and uh, it's a pretty darn good record for me uh, the title track is my favorite one it's the closing track it's the most conventional song on the album too there's probably a connection there uh mark so you're not uh, the hugest fan of skeleton tree uh Is it just you listen to it and then you're like, oh, that's that, and put it aside? What was your impression of it?
2: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good uh, description of of kind of my feelings for it. I I mean, I understand, like, how uh, it is fueled by the grieving process that he was going through. And uh, I kind of lump Skeleton Tree alongside, you know, the Boatman's Call. Mm. And then Ghostine kind of uh, essentially ratchets that up even a little bit further. Um, It's very sparse, very restrained in in that sense. And um, it's it's a grieving record. I mean, it's, it's a very grieving record. I think that one song um, on here, Magneto, uh, almost describes their, their coping, their feeling of throwing up in the sink and just, absolutely having their world turned upside down and you know my heart breaks for that i mean it's what a fucking nightmare that would be um i but, can't even uh, i can't
1: even like like i can't even like uh, vocalize the thought of perish the thought i'll just say that i don't even know how you deal with it i just n- never right i want to find out so
2: yeah hopefully god willing we'll never have to experience that i mean to have to bury your, your children is um, probably one of the worst cruel cruelties in this world
0: Skeleton
2: dream
0: Oh nothing is for free In the window a candle thrown across the sky jittery TV
2: So, um, you know, I understand that whole fueling the writing of this record is uh, is certainly strong and I think maybe it's, it's a lot for me to also process um, having to be empathetic to that. I... I don't think i can pick up this record and, and know that uh it's just tied to that event too much for me and it's it's I, I, it's it's difficult to 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 sit through for me
1: no that's fair i mean definitely you know it's not a party um i mean i'm just glad they put this out instead of Nakorama. Uh, that would have been terrible um <laughs> is this is how you right. honor the dead that's ah, terrible taste steve uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Eric, we're almost at home stretches here, but uh, no reason to rush. I think you you have some more uh, glowing things to say about Skeleton Tree. Not that it matters. Mark's opinion is more validated than you are because you're just an intern. But what do you think about it?
3: Uh, Thank you. Uh, Actually, pretty similar to Mark's opinion. That being said, I do take a lot of... I'm not going to say joy because there's a lot of pain in this album, but it means a lot to me. And um, I saw him for this tour. Skelton um, Tree, he does start diddling with the electronics. It's true. Uh, uh, the title track, Rings of Saturn, oh boy. He goes in some crazy places. Listen, uh, Nick Cave will have this like rocker kind of uh, pirate persona that will always try to chase. And I don't know if he's ever going to do that again.
1: And this I, is don't, really- I think, yeah, I think the, the end of chasing it was uh, the mustache years. Sure. Like that, that was taking it to a, the, a, like beyond its, its conclusion and um this is more of a you know this is there sometimes you can't go back but at the same time the mod, what you get with this though is sure an album like this but at the same time the guy is very accessible he talks to his fans uh he has a sense of accessibility to him he didn't have before which not every artist needs to have but the fact that this guy does who has so much witty shit to say sure. and like actual yeah. helpful words. Like I think yeah. you read some of the stuff like in lack of better term advice, he gives that website. That's the trade-off you get. All right. The pirate's gone, but still there's this guy who does, has unconventional wisdom. He's willing to share only because people think, you know, uh, he's working. It's asking it to, and I find that to be interesting. Um, yeah. 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 And the guy's he's, he's funny as hell. Yeah. Um, I really respect Artists that have humor There's not enough of it It's easy to be serious It's difficult to be able to Crack a joke and be good at it And also not be obvious about it um, So that gets us to Ghost Team uh, Recorded after His son died uh, Very electronic album A lot of building and building since. A lot to take in. It's a double double album. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis really, I think they're at the forefront of it. A lot of loops, a lot of building and building and building. Um, uh, it's got Nick Cave, Warren Ellis, Thomas Wilder, Martin Casey, Jim Scalinavius, and somebody named George Vasekta on guitar. Uh, I think it's a great album, but I've only listened to it all the way through maybe three times and that's just because man it is, it's is—it's heavy in content and also it's a lot to take in uh, i it can be used as background music but I think if you focus on it you get what it's trying to do uh, the title track alone is what it, if anyone's just going to listen to the, any song off of it it's the title track for me it's 12 minutes long fucking goes on for like 4 it's minutes vocal, but I think it really it hits it hits hard uh, Eric, how do you feel about Ghost Teen? So Teen is not for everybody. It is we talked about it. Even though apparently it was for all the critics. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if it was because they knew the circumstances under which it was written, but everybody sure. was like,
0: Oh,
3: yeah. album of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you know, it should be, but it's if, if you like to stomp your feet to a nick cave song and you like to throw your fist in the air and you like to rock it's you're not gonna find it here uh there's maybe two tracks with a hook that repeats that you can that you can feel like you're caught up in a pop moment the rest is airy synthy tangerine dreamy um, and I mean, even the cover is like a unicorn. It's trying to look like uh, like legend.
1: I love that. I love that album cover. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's like a meadow with a unicorn and a deer, and yeah. it looks like something that a uh, eighth grade uh, preteen girl uh, dreamt up. Uh, Skeleton Cree, Cree, trees album cover. I think it's just skeleton tree like typed out in like an Apple 2 part Yeah,
3: it looks like an old like yeah. old uh,
1: uh, computer exactly. Yeah, so Ghostine, a lot of lush electronic lush like, er, like is Eric the word. said, Eric said a uh, Tangerine Dream. Not for everyone. Probably not for Mark.
2: I mean, I don't hate this record. I mean, I I think it's very pretty. Um, no, it's not it's not let's let's let's,
1: let's not Nakamura, but keep going
2: right um i definitely appreciate the songcraft that's happening here i mean it is by far his most mature record to date um yeah. i mean uh kind of snarkily i was you know in the writer's room telling these guys it's like brian eno took an ambien and nick cave um you know is singing over it it's now a little that, more uh, to it than that
1: that was a, on, on that particular day it was fighting words in steve's book but yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes i do like to throw a little red meat into the cage and have us fight over it um it's just sometimes it uh gives me a little bit energy after you know what, what's funny is a shitty day at work
1: i usually know when you're doing it and uh, i'll fall for it every time i'll even be like fuck it i know what mark's doing here but
2: fine you
1: know <laughs> you want it you've got it so anyhow
2: <laughs> Uh, I know, like, uh, battle stations are usually, we all go on red alert, and then, you know, that's what happens. Um, But uh, it's not a bad record by any means. I think as I um, age with it, I'll start to appreciate it more. Um, But it's just not something that I'm reaching for uh, at this point. I mean, I'll listen to it. I've listened to it probably roughly around three times as well, and... Can't name a single song off of here that I'm like, ooh, what was that track? It is just it kind of just washes over you, um, and uh, well, it's it's
1: sequenced too. Like I, I haven't, I might have to pay attention to it and like look at it more. I'm fairly certainly like some of these songs bleed into each other, if not by design but by accident. So yeah,
2: yeah,
3: and yeah. I, I mean, it's, and, and don't get me wrong. Like if you. Uh, there's some moments that we'll talk about with Henry's dream which are just these rock uh, songwriting moments that are just unbeatable. don't happen on Ghosteen um and y- you may not y- you have to listen to it a few times before you find what you appreciate about Ghosteen but there is there's something to it it's not a vapid finger on the keyboard holding down a fucking Philip Glass chord, you know. Like there's more there. There is something happening
1: on that album. No, and that's like and Warren Ellis. I'm gonna say Warren Ellis is a better artist than that. I think Warren Ellis has a lot to do with this album. He like you watch him sit down. Uh, actually, watch another Once More Feeling. You watch him sit down and start his loops. He does and move between different pedals. Pretty fucking awesome. And like that's what that guy. He's either extremely classical or extremely ethereal and loop driven, and I think that's pretty cool. You find that on this this album, Um, or you find that on their cover of the X Files theme song released uh, decades ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Actually, uh, to that point, the Dirty Three. Have you guys ever listened to any of their records? Yes, good stuff.
2: No, I haven't. I understand they're a little bit more kind of in that post rock kind of kind of sound. Yeah, they're They're they're
3: kind uh, of Godspeed. You put it with the
1: exactly. Godspeed, uh, Godspeed, but you know it's like violins, drums, and a cello, maybe. I'm not sure. But Australian, that's uh, that's their thing. They're good. Uh they played um my goddamn wife saw them at a, uh like a little like cabin's not the word, but it's we use like a cabin in Big Sur once. And I was like, you you bitch. Um, anyhow go steam. I I don't know if it's for everyone, but I do think they they do say that Push the Skyway Away, Skeletor Tree, and Ghostine are a trilogy. And by they, I mean Wikipedia. And if the next album is The Return of the Rock, and there's guitars and shit, I bet you, retroactively, Mark, you might like Ghostine more yeah. now that traditional songcraft comes back. That's how I feel. But who knows if that'll ever happen? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I,
3: that's I, true. I think, I think I would love to hear Nick Cave Rock again.
1: Well, I... Uh, so... I actually, my notes went further to start talking about all the movies, all the books, all the live albums, all the live videos. Let's life is too short. Uh, we'll save that for season four. When we actually do Nick K proper and go over all these, al- these albums again, song by song. But uh, I do want to say that idiot prayer, the recent release he put out, uh, he was going to do a show at the Alexandra uh, opera house when COVID hit. And so he said, "Fuck it, I can't do this like I wanted to. Why don't I just play all these songs by myself on piano?" And so it's end to end discography, it covers songs from um, the first album all the way up to some Grinder Man and Ghostine. Uh, if either of you haven't listened to it yet, I really suggest it. It's uh, he makes little jokes and kind of does little different uh, arrangements. If anyone is built to just have songs. Play it on a piano. Uh, it's all of these. Even the more rocking songs like Deanna can work if it's just, you know, Jerry Lewis style on a piano. Uh, the only other band that ever did it so well recording their whole discography of just piano work was Ramstein.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Anyways,
1: uh, Idiot Prayer, I suggest it for anybody. Before we do our top five, we talked about the movies earlier with Chris. I want to circle back to the movies and books briefly. Uh, the books... There's a lot of books out there related to Cave. But check out the book he put out himself called Stranger Than Kindness, which is a collection of like weird art and just shit that he's done. I think it's pretty cool. There's a graphic novel out there that I used to own that I let Eric borrow and I forgot and uh <laughs> by Richard Kleist, I think his name is. Correct. And it's a yeah. mixture, it's a mixture of stories about the band and truth and fiction blurs it's worth checking out. It's called, uh, is it called, what's mercy, it called? mercy
3: on me? Yeah. That's mercy on me.
1: And also the 33 and a third book series put a, a book out on the, uh, album murder ballads. And those books are pretty cool. Sometimes they'll do a making of other times. The author will take a different approach. In this case, they went through song by song and discussed the uh, origin and the subject matter that led to that song of those stories. Um, like the old timey, like, you know, tales about uh, him. It's great. I, I, I suggest anyone check that out. Over on the visual front, uh, like we talked about, there's the Nick Cave pseudo documentary, 20,000 Days on Earth. I suggest anybody checks it out. Kind of goes through his past, and uh, former band members show up and, and talk in a pseudo documentary scripted uh, deal. Even Kylie Minogue shows up. I am a big fan of the Warren Ellis scene. Warren Ellis and Nick Cave have a very strong friendship. It seemed that Nick Cave decided that Nick Harvey and Blix Bargled, good friends of his, good collaborators. And when they left him, he was able to kind of combine them both into Warren Ellis. <laughs> uh, yeah, Warren yeah. Ellis is a little wizard of a man, a big old beard, plays a mean violin, and uh, loves rock and roll. A uh, big fan of that guy. Also, the Once More Feeling movie, it's worth checking out. That's the making of Skeleton Tree. And there's many live albums that they turned into DVDs. Uh, on the movie, movie front, if you will, uh, he's written some scripts. Um, he wrote the movie Lawless with a friend of the show, Shia LaBeouf, and Tom Hardy. It's about bootleggers. Uh, he wrote The Proposition, which was, Chris was saying earlier, is a brutal, so good. Aust- so good. brutal Australian Western. Um. He wrote a uh, version of the crow, which never got released. And he wrote a sequel to the gladiator, which uh, I wish would get made. Uh, it's long story short, uh, him and his buddy, Russell Crowe started talking about it. And Nick just said, no, 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 no. Here's what you could do. I know you died in the first movie, but uh, hear me out. You're going to come back to earth and uh, we're going to call this movie Christ killer. And it never got made for some reason. Um, And uh, Eric, you just watched Gladiator One, didn't you? I have never seen it before, but until last week,
3: and I did watch it. And I hate to tell you this, but Russell, uh, not Russell, well, yeah, Russell Crowe and uh, Ridley Scott have moved forward with their Gladiator Two script, even though he's dead. Uh, And I don't think it's based on Nick Cave's script. It's really sad.
1: Sad. I don't. I don't know. If it'll ever come to fruition, but I love that gladi- Gladiator one. Uh, it's a good movie. And him and Warren Ellis have done a ton of music for movies. Some that are worth checking out, obviously, is uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward uh, Rob, by the outlaw Robert Ford, which we talked about earlier.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the Road. I think that's a very yeah. good good film worth watching. A little less heavy, but still steeped in crime, um, is, uh, Come Hell, is it just Hell or High Water, is yeah. it called? Yeah. That's Hell a good one. That's a, it's, a, it's like a modern Western noir. And also, what's that one with the Hawkeye in it that takes place in uh, the snow? Wind River, I think? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, same director as Hell or High Water. Okay, he did the music for that one, too. Um, anyhow, that's all of that. Let's wrap it up with our top five Nick Cave songs. Next week, we will do Henry's Dream, track by track. Top five Nick Cave songs. We're going to break the rules tonight. We're going to all do our top five in a row. And since I, talk, I talked the most tonight, I will do my top five first. Are you guys ready? Let's hear it. All right. So these are very obvious, but there's a reason for that. It's because fucking... Top, the greatest hits are going to be easy to, to, to pull out, right? Starting 5 to 1. Uh, Tupelo off of The First Born Is Dead. That song is a biblical powerhouse and has a lot of that gothic Americana that I like. Jubilee Street, which I sang praises of from the album Push the Sky Away. A lot of good building, rising action. Great lyrics. I love the line talking about carrying... Uh, what is it uh, 60 tons of catastrophe on a five pound chain or some such it's just uh, yeah
2: good great track.
1: good great, lyric yeah great lyric yep darker with the day is one of the closing tracks off of no more shall we part very emotional track very good lyrics very loving song i think really good song uh this might be on your guys's it'll be probably be on eric's i'm not sure the curse of millhaven Mm -hmm. off of murder ballads yes uh the song is just so many lyrics that when they played it live they uh, at times they would write all the lyrics down on cue cards and somebody would like go from cue card to cue card so he could remember them all telling a great story that is a the song sounds like a stephen king adaptation i love it and of course number one is a ship song very romantic track that me and my wife both love uh eric what are your top five
3: Thank you. Um, so, my number five was my intro to Nick Cave. That was Red Right Hand. My uh, number four was our shared song, Curse of Millhaven. Uh, three was 15 Feet of Pure White Snow. That Good song choice. is just infectious. It becomes a revival, that song. Yeah. Uh, Stagger Lee was my number two. It just has a swagger to it that is undeniable. And then we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up with my number one. "Hiding All the Way" is just yeah. the perfect. Nick Cave found out his perfect sound, and it was "Hiding All the Way."
1: Yeah, the, "Hiding All the Way" it's got the it's got rock. It's got it's got uh, post apocalyptic uh, preacher shit. It's great. Yeah,
3: it's got yeah. All right now, and then and then the. Uh, the chorus comes in. It's beautiful.
1: Getting back to stagger lean. Chris was here earlier. That song definitely sums up. Like the first time you hear that song, you're like, I have never heard something like this before. It's, it's dirty. It's telling the story. It's uh, my God, foul language. It's just incredible.
3: Yeah. It makes you feel uncomfortable, but at the same time, you're like, I, I, uh, I'll go ahead and ride this out and let's see where it goes. Yeah.
2: My turn, I guess. Yep. All right. Starting at number five uh, is a track from No More Shall We Part. It is called The Sorrowful Wife. Mm-hmm. Another good um, one. A really good part in that song. It starts off like a really ballad, and then um, the piano just has this ding, 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 and then the drums kick in, and then, uh, come on, help me, babe. I was blind that part is um hair raising it is very good before you move on from that another track on
1: that album has the lyric the piano sits in the corner with all of its teeth bare and that lyric is one of them, another favorite Nick Cave lyric right, right. the imagery of you know the, the the ivories having its teeth bare i love that
2: yeah number 4 from uh the uh the album abattoir blues uh it is what eric said hiding all away yes um that song is dirty as shit it is a gospel um fire and brimstone song um it has some excellent <laughs> excellent lyrics where he stuck his hand up her dress um and then it it cracks up the gospel singers um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is yeah. Yeah. that is good stuff I had to get out of there, babe. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's good. That is a great track with some really dirty guitar. Um, All right now, oh yeah, and then the war coming. Um, it yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a revival. It's a lot the, of fire the, and brimstone. The, butch,
1: the butcher is the one that sticks his hand up his fist up yeah. dress. It's a
2: you must have been a like a major leaguer. I think is what he says. <laughs> I yeah, it's. <laughs> Our, uh, the, the lyrics in that song are just, uh, they are dirty. Yeah. Um, and then number three, uh, it was my introduction. It is his signature song. As Nick Cave says, it follows him around like a junkyard dog. Um, and a red Right Hand is Ooh-hoo. number three. Um, uh, I fell more in love with it as uh, I revisited or, re- or watched for the very first time and exposed to it, um, and which I think is the living manifestation of a Nick Cave song is Peaky P- Blinders. Yes. Um, which then created a cottage in- industry of uh, people covering that song and specifically a, you know, Arctic Monkeys, PJ Harvey, and one cover in particular that uh, Nick Cave – He's a big fan of his Snoop Dogg's version of Red Right Hand. (laughs) Take a little walk to the edge of town and go
3: across the tracks Tracks. where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as it shifts and
2: cracks.
3: What a secret lies in the border flies In the humming wires, Yeah hey, hey man, you know, you're never coming back I said you're never coming back You know, you're never coming back I said you're never coming back, never coming back. Never coming back. So past the square, past the bridge Past the mills, now past the stacks On another gathering storm Comes a tall, handsome man In a dusty black coat uh-huh. Um, i imagine i'm
1: i imagine that show created a lot of nick Cave fans pretty sure
2: yeah um, i was reading um some review of that song and someone said guitar uh, Blixa bargeld's uh, guitar picks around the rhythm as if it's cleaning a bone um, i think that's a perfect description of what's going on in that song uh, number two, uh, the, the first track off of let love in, do you love me? Um, it has some incredible imagery. Um, the video is great. Um, it almost seems like it's a, uh, it's a detective novel. I found her on a night of fire and noise, wild bells ring in a wild sky. Um, I knew from that moment on, I'd love her till the day that I died. I mean, it sounds like it's the beginning, um, dialogue of a film noir. And, uh, that bass line is not fooling around and uh as the bells from the chapel went jingle jangle um jingle i love that track so much so much
1: the piano on that track too causes a a lot going on
2: oh yeah uh if that's conway savage um who is dearly departed or if that's nick cave playing the piano it's uh it's quite something and my number one track, even though um, it has its roots in a traditional song, um, it, it is Staggerly. That song has hmm. um, an amazing, yeah. not a lot going on in terms musically, but my God, that is a dangerous song. Um, Swagger? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, I,
3: uh, just seeing it live, it was like, it's all, it's we're song. Going, makes we're you, going we're here. You.
2: All right. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It, not many songs do that. The beginning like uh kind of that chunky guitar like uh-oh. Some trouble's coming through the saloon yeah. doors um is 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 quite something. It is quite something. So there it is, my top 5.
3: Fantastic.
2: Fantastic. Well, that's a whole lot of Nick Cave from one episode
1: and folks, that's not all. Next week we'll be here to talk about uh our next episode who's keeping track of time the album Henry's Dream where we
0: will
2: go track by track and do our usual thing so to wrap things up as Steve said we will see you next time when we talk about Henry's Dream and uh, then we can move on from Nick Cave and go into our next deep dive into another artist nominated by someone else but as always this has been Mark Eric this is
1: Steve, and I can't wait to talk about The Six Jokers card in our future episode
2: uh, Thank you all Thank you, Chris, uh, for jumping onto the show And uh, you know where to find us On all of the things At Pod Like a Whole And as always, we hope that we brought you Closer to Pod
0: Come on, cancer Let's walk outside Breathe the autumn See the many that ever lived and died See the unending golden state See all of us that have come behind Clutching at your head All the way from Arkansas To your sweet and last amen